For those visiting, I wanted to say this. I just wanted you to know I'm just one of the reserves. The, the starter will be back next week. Now, I'd like to be him because he's about six foot four, trim, good looking. Craig says, uh, listen, can we get you on camera because you're not as tall and all that. So, uh, but uh, anyhow, he'll be here next week. Gary, I, I'm just hoping I'm still on the team after this week. You know what I mean? So, and, and second of all, I, I wanted to say though this, that uh, for my fellow members, some of you are surprised that I am up here. And that makes two of us. I was sitting where you are now, and all my brothers, listen, you might be standing where I'm standing. So an occasional amen to give me a little encourage would be great. Thank you. To my fellow elders, where, where I Stick your hands up. To my fellow elders, just stick your hand up. Remember what the barber says. You're next. <laughs> I'll be praying for you. I told Jeff, don't give me that much, uh, don't give me that much time to prepare. He called me like four or five weeks ago and I said, listen, if it ever happens again, if you ever think that, you know, I could serve the church that way, give me about a week's notice. Uh, just drop it right on me. I don't want to think about it for five weeks. To my family, I just wanted to say, it's too late to change your name. We're all kin. They know it. Let's pray before I get started. Dear Heavenly Father, it's so good to be in your house. And Lord, I just claim that promise where you said two or more gathered that you'll be in our midst. Lord, I, I just, uh, Lord, we, we just thank you and we praise you for all you are and all you have done in each one of our lives. Lord, I pray that you would move in this place this morning. Lord, I pray that if there's one that's lost, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. I pray that no one, not one person, would leave here lost today. That if they need you as their Savior and Lord, Jesus, I pray that they'd come and give their lives to you. Lord, for those that uh, are out of your will, I pray for them this morning. Lord, that's not a good place to be. And I pray that uh, this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak to them. And Lord, to all my brothers and sisters in Christ who faithfully serve each and every day, and Lord, that are living in your will, I pray that it would be an encouragement to them to keep going, to finish like you finished. And Lord, for whatever you do this morning, I give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to start off with, did you ever see the warning labels? You know, on different, how many take pills? You got, some of you take pills? They have a warning label on it? Well, I put a warning label on this message. So read it with me. All right. <laughs> Here it is. The contents of this message, if consumed, may be mind-altering and life-changing if taken on a daily basis will cause you to grow in favor with God and with your fellow man. If refused or ignored, we do at our own peril. By the way, that's true about every message we hear, amen? We either believe it and live it 
or we're not in a good place. I want to ask you some questions. Before I do that, I want to say this. Each of us here this morning finds ourselves in one of two places. We're either lost or we're saved. And if we're saved, we find ourselves in one of two places. We're either in God's will or we're out of God's will. God's perfect will for every single one of us is that we're saved and living for him. And just the songs we heard this morning ought to be a great encouragement to give our lives totally and completely to him. Amen? So here's the questions. Would you agree that the journey from my will to the Lord's will is no easy path? Boy, anybody that's really tried to live with the Lord would say that. Our comfort zone is not always God's end zone for us. There's some pruning involved in that sanctification process. He stretches us, he convicts us. See, God doesn't leave us where we are, he wants us to be exactly like his son. That's, that's the process. This side of heaven we won't be, but Gary, we can sure cooperate with him to get there, amen? Here's the second question. Tell me if this doesn't hit a home. Our occasional prayer is your will be done, but our common desire is my will be done. You ever find yourself praying that? Boy, you're praying that, Lord, just agree with me on this. How's that work for you? It doesn't work too well for me. Doing his will, if you agree with this, your will be done comes from the confidence that God's will is both informed and ideal. He wants the best for each one of us. Now listen to this. How do you have that trust? How do you build that trust? How do you trust him when, when things are really difficult? It's easy on the mountaintop, but it's not easy in the valley. So how do you trust them? Well, here, you don't wait to the mountaintop or you don't wait to the valley to start living for them. We live for them one day at a time, amen? We learn to trust them by living one day at a time, walking in his obedience to our commands. And here's the last one. Would you agree? God's peace comes only with complete surrender. Partial surrender will never do. We got any fathers out there? You want your kids to partially obey you or fully obey you? Full, right? Anything else won't do, and our Heavenly Father is no different. I want you to stay with me. I'm not the greatest reader in the world, but I want you to stay with me. Sam, I got this out of uh, Living the Lord's Prayer. It's in Sam Underwood gave me that, and it's one of the greatest devotionals I've ever read. And I think Pastor Jeff is going to, to maybe use that. I give it to him to look at. Listen to this. Brennan Manning tells the story of John Cavanaugh, who went to work for three months at the House of the Dying in Calcutta. 
He wanted to know how best to spend the rest of his life. On the first morning, he met Mother Teresa, and she asked, what can I do for you? Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray for, she asked. He expressed the deepest desire of his heart. Pray, listen to this, pray I have clarity. Listen to what she said. She firmly said, no. I will not do that. Kavanaugh was taken back and Mother Teresa continued. And I really do want you to get this. Clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have the clarity he longed for, she laughed and said, I've never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. Unlike Abraham, I know in my own life, I want to see the end. I want to know how it's going to work out before I step out. Amen? We want to, well, geez, how is that going to work out? Well, God doesn't want us to live by sight. He wants us to live by faith. Faith is stepping out. Okay. When I was considering and thinking about and praying about what to bring to you this morning, it brought me back to when I went to a trip in Israel. One of the stops we made was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And every time we stopped at a place, our pastor or one of the members in the group would do a devotion. Well, of course, that devotion was about the Lord being in the garden and praying. And I got to thinking about that, and, and at the end of it, the, the tour guide said, listen, you might want to go over and pick up a stone and keep it, remembering how Jesus finished. We want to finish well, amen? He finished well. And here's Matthew 26, 39 says this. I can't even imagine praying this prayer. I'd like to be able to pray this prayer in my own life if God had asked me to do so. But listen to this, Matthew 26, 39. We got it on the screen? And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Wow. Knowing everything, everything that he was going to face. He knew the cruel death. He could read. He, he was in, he knew Isaiah 53. He knew what he was going to face. He knew for, that the sins of the world were going to be placed on him. I thought about that this, as, as I was thinking about this study. Have you ever felt guilty for something you've done? Can you imagine having every sin of every person that ever lived being placed on you on the cross? Can't imagine. But you know, that wasn't the worst thing. The worst thing is he had never been separated from the Father. 
He was equal with the great I am. He was the great I am. He had never been separated from his father. And yet he hung on that cross for hours in separating from the father. Wow. What love. So here's the question I asked, and I want you to ask yourself this question. What is the most difficult thing the Lord has ever asked me to do? Think about it. I'm going to give you just a second. There's probably something that came to your mind pretty quick. I know there were some things that came to my mind, going to my in-laws and telling them about Jesus. That was a big step for me on a Tuesday night, especially they knew all me. They knew me growing up. It was probably the last one that they'd expect to come to their house and tell them they're sinners. You know what I mean? Some of the things came up. But you know, when I got down to the bottom line, and I was telling Brother Mike this, when I got down to the bottom line, no matter how difficult the thing was, it was always the same bottom line. And that was this. Let go. Trust him. And let his will be done in my life. Let go, let him, and say, your will be done in my life. That's difficult. Especially in the valleys. So the message this morning is the exchange life. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you surrendered your, our will for his will, our plans for his plans, our goals for his goal, our lives for his life. And this is it. And if you don't get anything else out of the message this morning, I want you to get this. Jesus gave his life for us to give his life to us to live his life through us. God has chosen man to carry on the redemption plan. He took on a body, he needs a body today, and that's your body and my body. That's the way he chose to do it. And we do it by surrendering completely and totally. Paul got it. Look at Galatians 2.20. Paul understood this exchange in, in writing to the believers in Galatia, and he writes this. I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucified with Christ means that we agree to surrender to Jesus every area of our lives. You hear that, young people? You hear that, old people? Do we hear that, old people? Our self-centered way of life ends, and our new Christ-centered life begins. For me, it was at the age of 27 when I accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord. And it was in a big auditorium. Teresa was sitting right beside me. It was some kind of a Christmas special. It was in December, and the pastor said, anybody that wanted to receive Christ, please come forward. And from the moment I took that first step, I knew it meant surrender. My language changed. 
my appetite changed. Mike, I, I had a hunger for God's word. I wanted to be with God's people. The way I saw others changed. I had an especially rough relationship with my father. But after Christ came into my heart, you know what I saw? I saw in my father what I saw in myself. Just a blind person that needed Christ. See, we don't need to curse all the darkness. What we need to do is tell them about the light. Amen? And that's the need of everyone. That should be the desire of our hearts. We have the gospel. We're saved. We need to share it with blind people. I had a chance to share with my father. He didn't pray with me at the time, but about three months after I left the house, I heard he got baptized at the church. I thank the Lord. The way I looked at life changed. It was a gift from God to be used for his glory in the short time that I was here. The way I viewed money and things changed. They were God's resources to, to, for me to be a great steward of, or a good steward of. So God's will, what about it? I just know this, I always picture when I read the Bible, I always picture myself as being a father and a grandfather and how much I love my children and my grandchildren. I wouldn't ask any of my grandchildren or my children to ever do anything I didn't think was in their best interest. Amen? Everybody would say that. Well, if I, being evil, know how to give good gifts to my children, how much more will the Heavenly Father? Why would he ever ask us to do anything that wasn't best for our lives? We all know this verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes, believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest love, the greatest sacrifice, the greatest invitation with the greatest gift of eternal life. Surely, if we believe that, and we do, amen? We really believe that God loves us. We really believe what the choir sang this morning. We believe it. Well, if we believe it, then we'd have to believe that he has our best interests. When, when he says, let my will be done in your life, he has our best interests at heart. Listen to this, young people. Whether you're young, like Josiah or Daniel or Joseph, or Shadrach, or Meshach, or whether you're old like Abram, and then turn to Abraham afterwards, Moses, God has a plan, for each of, a plan and a will for each of our lives based on his love for us and his love for others. And I wrote this, we're never too old or too young to be in or out of God's will. Many great things were done for his kingdom by older and younger saints as they followed his will for their lives. But heartache and sorrow followed those who did not see. I see that here in this church so much. We'll see it, Lord willing, if camp comes, we'll see it here in just a few weeks. I see 
us mature adults, I'll leave that older out there, us mature adults working hand in hand with those younger adults to build in people's lives, amen? It is a blessing to see. It's a blessing to be a part of. Alan Young taught me how to wash dishes. I'm one of the best dishwashers around in, this, uh, in the area. Thanks, Alan. But boy, partner on that, what a, what a blessing. Listen to this, Psalm 33:11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever and the plans of his heart to all generations. God is completely trustworthy. We can, we can let him cancel us. We can rely on his plans for our lives. Listen to this. Because we believe the word of the Bible from cover to cover, right? The Bible says that he knows the very hairs of your and my head. He knows every word before we, that's on our tongue before we speak it. And he knows all our days before we live one of them. Sandy, we ought to be able to trust him, amen? He knows us better than we know ourselves. Now, we have three choices. We can lead our own lives. We can let others lead our lives. And young people, I just say this to you going off to college and everything. Don't let others lead your life. Or we can choose to let God lead our lives. And I will tell you this. For 27 years, I tried to live my own life. It didn't work out too well. And if you look around in our world today, it's not the, God, or the world's wisdom isn't working out too well either, is it? So I'm gonna stick with God's counsel. If he gave it from generation to generation, that means he has it for me today. Okay. He wants us to know and do his will from our hearts. God had a perfect plan for us. He loves us. He wants to know that will. What father wouldn't want his son or his child or his daughter to know his will? Three steps to knowing God's will. Read his word. Ephesians 5.17 says this, Therefore do not be foolish, but understanding what the, the will of the Lord is. And then Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In a world full of darkness, we need God's light. And here's my question. God's will is found in his word. What is your or my appetite for reading God's word? If I went to the doctor today, and the first thing they did, you all know this, you've done this, the first thing they do is they weigh you, right? Get on the scale. If you lost a lot of weight, the next question is, it said was, listen, are you eating? Because a loss of appetite physically means there could be something going on in our bodies. But the same is true Spiritually, a loss of appetite for God's word means there's something going on in our body. Man, I, I, I want to tell you something. I love God's word when I got saved, and I tell you what, I love God's word today. 
If there's a Bible study, if there's a Sunday school class, if somebody's getting together, if it's a, a, an equipped class, Sam, Phil, we're there. Because I love God's word because it's God's light to me. And here's the second question. Is God's word living in you? It's one thing to read it. It's another thing for it to read you. John 15, 7 says this, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Did you hear the promise in that? If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Determined to take God's word personally. If you're here today, I'm hoping you're doing this. I'm hoping you're saying, boy, there's somebody else that needs that. Hopefully that somebody is us. Let it speak to you personally. I remember when I was struggling, just, just having the confidence to go out and share, and I read the verse, and it said, don't, don't hide a lamp underneath a bushel or underneath the basket. You know the verse I'm talking about. And boy, I thought, that's exactly right. Why should I be hiding this word? I need to have confidence and boldness to share Christ. Last of all, listen, we read it, we apply it to our lives. And here's the question about applying it to your lives, a physical question. Am I digesting God's word? Is it getting in me? It said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. And the last thing is respond quickly. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. When God gives us clear direction and we turn away from it, it's a condition of the heart. God's will is the most satisfying and meaning life you could live. One life to live, soon will be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. We're leaving it all here, except what we've done for there. John 4, 31 and 34. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Boy, they shook their heads. Why, did somebody else come feed them? Then in verse 34, it says this, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. The food Jesus was talking about was spiritual nourishment that comes from doing God's will. And in this case, helping to bring his work of salvation to this woman. I, I, I know that if I said this and I'd had the hands raised, but I, I want you to think about this. If this is not true in your own life, if you're really serving the Lord, I have found in my own life and through the testimony of many others that there's no greater satisfaction in life than to partner with Christ in building his kingdom. I don't care if you're washing dishes or you're in one of those dorm rooms. Gary, I want to tell you something. Doesn't it give you great joy partnering with the king, partnering with the Lord building in the lives? Wow, there's no greater satisfaction than that. I want to tell you this. 
The difference between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee is this. The Dead Sea, water flows in, but water doesn't flow out, and everything is dead. There's no living life in the Dead Sea. The difference in the Sea of Galilee is water flows in and it flows out. Get the point? The point is, if we want a really joyful, satisfied life, we've got to let the love of God flow into us and then flow through us to others. I put this on the, the screen. I think we got it on there, Craig. Here's, here's, here's the deal. Do what we can to all we can, while we can, so we can bring glory to God. How am I doing on time? I'm doing all right. Just got a couple more. The battles we all face, and I'm gonna go quick. In my life, the problem is, I, problem in myself is I see a lot of Jonah in me. I just don't like the assignment. Lord, I'll do this, but please don't ask me to do that. Can I tell you it's in the that's that God gets the glory and we, he grows us and stretches us. Lessons we learn from Jonah, I'm just going to read them real quick. God is serious about his will. Amen? You don't end up in a fish belly. When we rebel against God's will, we put ourselves in jeopardy and all the people that we influence. When you're out of God's will, let me tell you something, it's just not you. You're jeopardizing all the people you have an influence on in your life. And I put this, the sooner, repent, the sooner we repent, the sooner things get better. So if you're here today and you're out of God's will, you're going to have a chance here in just a little bit to meet with Larry and Sandy. They'll be up front. And if you're out of God's will or you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you have a chance this morning to come and pray, turn around like Jonah did. Too often, the, the flesh, the world, and the devil wins out in my life. So how do you have victory? There's just three things, and they're really simple. Not simple to do, but they're simple. Number one, submit to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. Christ lives you in you. He lives in me. The Holy Spirit's there. Listen to him. Let him guide you. Let the Holy Spirit control our lives. Welcome the Spirit's guidance, correction, and rely on the Holy Spirit's power to give you victory over anything you're facing. Second, how do you kill something? You starve it. Starve the old nature. Be careful what you take in. Young people, old people, 
men and women, our eye gate and our ear gate and where we walk needs to be guarded. What we take in will, will eventually come out. Starve the old nature. Feed the new nature. Stay connected to the vine. Be proactive. And it's this. Feed the new nature. Stay connected to the vine. Be proactive. Continue believing, trusting, and following Christ. Make our lives count for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this. This ought to wake us all up wherever we're at in life. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for, what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You and I are more than just us. Mike, if somebody said, Mike, who are you? And I said, well, I'm Mike Coleman, but guess what? I'm also a husband. I'm also a father. I'm also a grandfather. I'm also a neighbor. I'm also an uncle. I'm also a nephew. I'm a member of Larry Shriner's class. I'm a member of Hop here at the church. I'm a born-again child of God. That's who I am. But I said all that because, see, you and I wear many different hats. We influence many different people, either one way or the other. By the way, by the way listen to this. The church attendance has dropped from the 60s and 70s down to 47%. Listen to this, parents. Of the 47%, the people that go to church, 44% of their children go. I don't know if I'm saying that right. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is this. The parents that go to church, the kids go to church. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you folks, you're the most godly people I've ever been around. But this is what God laid on my heart. What if Jesus had said, it's too much to ask, Father, I won't do it. He had a choice. He could have called 10,000 angels, he said. What if Noah refused God's will to build the ark? You ever think about that? None of us. God was going to destroy it all. Found favor with one person. And I've never been to, where is it, in Kentucky where the ark is? I, it, 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 that thing is huge, I understand. If he had asked me to build that, I'd say, you've got to begin. But you know, by following God's will, he spared his own life. The wife, his wife, his own life, his, his wife, his three sons and their wives, and humanity. What if Abram decided not to follow God's will and leave the homeland? Or he refused to offer Isaac as a burnt offering? What if Moses refused to, go, refused to go to Pharaoh and bring the people out of Egypt? Let's get closer to home. What if Pastor Jerry hadn't given up his teaching position and come here? 
or took the call to be a pastor? What if Pastor Jeff didn't leave the position he was at? And what is it? I think it was some kind of rescue, right? Fireman. What if he didn't? What about the staff here in this church? What if they didn't follow God's will? What about all the missionaries? And how about all who have served here in the house of prayer one way or the other? Your life and my life can really count if we give it to the Lord. That's, that's the message. Your life and my life can count if we give it to the Lord. So, in closing, I want to just say this. This is the blessings. I'm not going to go to every verse. The blessings of doing God's will. A deeper fellowship with God. I don't know. That is my prayer many times for my life. Lord, give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might know you better. I know Paul and his letters. A deeper fellowship with God. I don't know anything more satisfying than that. The privilege of knowing God's truth. Boy, we need it in this world we live in today. How about this? 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Knowing our prayers will be answered. You're in God's will. Once your prayers answered, that's the place to be. Last of all, expectation of reward when the Lord returns. Next week, Lord willing, Pastor Jeff's going to be here, and I'm sure he's, he's going to be in 2 Peter 3. Just starting out. 2 Peter, the third chapter, and it's about being ready for his appearing. And in conclusion, I want to say this. God's will for every single person, everybody looking at me, is to have a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Listen, you can fool your mom, you can fool others, but God knows. If you're living one way on the outside and you're living a different way on the inside, something's wrong. You're either out of God's will or maybe you don't know God. We ought to be the same out there as we are in here. And I know I'm talking about perfect because I'm certainly not perfect. I struggle in all these areas. I told you, I'm a lot like Jonah. I'm a lot like Moses. There, there's things I struggle with. But, it, but he wants you to know him. If you're here today and you've never made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, do not delay. The Bible says if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Come forward. Larry and Sandy will be here. They'll lead you in a prayer to receive Christ. Second is this. God wants us to know and do his will. It's the best place for us. It's the best life we can live. And then last of all, and I know Brother Mike Richard would give me an amen on this. It's to make him known. Can I say this to you? And this, this is kind of hard, but I've heard a pastor say it. The, the main reason the church exists today is not for us. 
It's for all those outside the building. It's for the ones that aren't here today. Hey, accept Christ, live for him, and make him known. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, the Lord, that uh, you have spoke to hearts and lives today. Lord, I pray that anyone that needs to do business with you, Lord, they wouldn't be ashamed, but Lord, they would come forward. And Lord, they would, if they haven't surrendered their life for you, Lord, I pray that this would be the morning. I remember that night. And Lord, I remember walking down that aisle and what, what a blessing when the chains fell off and when the newness came in and you came to live within my heart. And I pray that that would happen to each and every person here that doesn't know you. And Lord, if there's a brother or sister or a few of them here, Lord, that aren't in your will, they've been living one way outside and another way in here, I pray, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit has convicted them. And, Lord, that they want to, they to change. They want to do what Jonah did. They want to repent and turn around. And I pray this morning that they would get right with you. And, Lord, for all of us, help us make our lives count with our family, with our friends, with those we come in contact with. Lord, would you give us the boldness and the, the heart to share with those that don't know you. Lord, I pray that the baptismal waters in this church would be churning and we would see many, many people come to know you as their Savior and Lord. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these folks here. Thank you for all that they've meant in my life, Lord, in my family's life. Truly, I have been sharpened by many of them and I thank you for them. And Lord, for those that are, know you and living your will, I pray that this message would be an encouragement for them to keep going, not be weary and faint and well-doing, because in due time they'll reap. I love them. I know you love them. Thank you for this morning, and I pray now, whoever needs to do business, they'll come up and be with Larry and Sandy, and Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.